following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hit, yet completely trivial, football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, well, well to the broken helmet. Let's rock. And coming to you live on tape on this November 17th. Although by the time I get this damn thing finished up, recorded, uploaded to the net, and you listen to it, it's going to be the 18th. It's about 11.30 at night here, Eastern Standard Time. And we are getting ready for week 11 of the NFL season. A season that, as we said before, we will continue to say it just simply flies by. Once it gets going, everybody's fantasy seasons are either coming to a screeching halt or people are getting ready for their postseason and trying to make sure that their rosters are stout with talent, picking up any last-second additions, people coming off IR. Hasn't been a whole lot of late bloomers in the the league this year. It's been more trying to get people that tanked the first half, that might have potential the second half, or people coming off injury. But fantasy football managers are getting ready for that postseason, making that, making that last run. As for the NFL, they're getting ready for basically the second half of their season because with the added 18th week, 17th game, it, uh, it, there's still plenty of time for the NFL before their postseason kicks in. So here we are. We're looking back at a little bit of week 10 because it was kind of crazy. I mean, if you think about some of the upsets and some of the results, you had Miami beating Baltimore. You had the Washington football team beating the Bucks. You had the Pats demolishing Cleveland. You had Minnesota beating the Chargers in Los Angeles. Carolina destroyed Arizona. Granted, Arizona did not have any of their players, but Carolina mopped the floor with them. I mean, it was a fucking beatdown. And then you had the Monday night game where the Rams got crushed by the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, the Rams were on top of the NFC uh, several weeks ago, and now you have back-to-back disasters out of them. And now question marks abound about the Ram team, especially losing significant pieces pieces such as Robert Woods, even though you do get Odell Beckham thrown into the mix. Odell becomes a luxury to necessity, a terminology that has been beaten to death in less than a week. Um, but it is the truth that OBJ came in there as an additional piece to the offense. I personally didn't necessarily know how that was going to fit with Cooper Cup and with Woods and with Van Jefferson already there. And the offense working well up until two weeks ago. Uh, But now, without Woods, you just need firepower anyway. I mean, because otherwise, you're just going to have Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson. So, like I said, it's been beaten to death in a week, but he 
OBJ, that is, has become a necessity there for the Rams, and they're going to get have to get him up to speed sooner rather than later, or else it could get ugly in Los Angeles, especially with these performances the past couple of weeks. I mean, really terrible. And going back to fantasy, I, look, right here, I am a bona fide Matthew Stafford owner, and he has just completely trashed my team in two weeks. I mean, it's been ugly. Ugly. And I need Mr. Stafford to wake the fuck up and get back to his earlier season 30-point bombs that he was throwing me, uh, you know, rather than the the paltry six and seven points he's gotten the past two weeks. Not good. And the egg ain't having it. He ain't having it. Who the fuck is the egg? That's me. You're talking about yourself in the third person? I am. And you gave yourself a nickname? Not really, but I kind of did. It's your fucking last name, but abbreviated. That's it. What are you going to do? This is what you do. This is what you got to do. You got to give yourself nicknames when you're talking to yourself on a podcast. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, let's kick off the show and check out our gambling results from last week. See if my brother was able to continue his uh, plentiful ways ways of plentiful ways. What the hell is that? Plentiful ways of 2021, and see if I was able to put any dent in the losses that I had already accumulated for the year. First down. First down. <laughs> And the result is no. We did nothing last week. Absolutely zip, zero, zilch, nada. And boom goes the dynamite. You betcha. My brother lost all of his bets. I ended up losing all of my bets as well. So that brought our bankroll totals down. I am now at 830 uh, on the repop. So I'm actually down 1,000 and a repop for another 1,000, which I've lost now uh, 170. My brother, he off his original 1,000 is now at 3150. We really hit nothing if there was anything that uh, came close. Uh, I guess I did almost with, I had New England and Los Angeles, the Chargers, and I had them for a parlay, but that obviously got screwed because those Chargers at home were no good. Uh, And that was really the closest thing of all of our bets. Like I said, it was not a good week for the Eggy Brothers and their gambling. As for the other games... We will start off with our super picks, our five best games. We both went one and four. Ah, ugly. One and four. So that leaves me at 21 and 29 for the year. Good for 42%. My brother is over 50%. He's at 29 and 21. Good for almost 60%. So he does good. I have not. It has been a struggle for me all the way around so far halfway through the season. As for the big game where we pick every single game, I did a little bit better. I was 9-5 last week. My brother was the invert. He was 5-9. That means that I have caught up to him a little bit in the season results. I am now 69-77. and 77, Good for 47%. He is just two games ahead of me. He's at 71 and 75, good for 49%. So as for the pros, Joes, and the Sharps, well, the pros, that the money pool, that is, was 5-9 and nine last week. The tickets were 6-8, and eight, but the Sharps were 7-2. and 7-2. So they came in. That means that they are now one game over 500 for the year. They're at 59-58. and 58. The only 
person in this entire group, that being my brother and me, the tickets, and the money pool that is above 500. The Sharps coming in now at 59 and 58. Uh, the tickets are at 43%. They're in dead last. And then the money is about 46% for the year. Over-unders, I went 2-0. My brother went 2-0. So I am an even 500 on the year at 10-10. and My brother is one game under at 9-11. and Survivor knockout, I had the Bucks and the Vikings. The double, double dip. Double car wrecker Rooney. Meanwhile, my brother actually had Pittsburgh, and it's a push, so I guess that can counts. I, you know, I don't, I don't think I've ever had a push in a survivor pool, but you didn't lose, so you did survive. So I would imagine it counts. As for his knockout was the Browns, that also was good. We head over to all of the stats. The dogs last week were winners winning nine of five games versus the favorites of those nine games that the Dogs won. They won six of them outright. So not only did they cover, but they won six of nine. That has been the trend all year, my friends. I've said it in weeks before, and I will continue to say it now, that if you're looking and you want to make money, Dogs are winning, so if you like a couple of dogs and you feel good about them, money line might be the way to go. You pick a couple of dogs, money line parlay, boom. That's how you cash it. So the teams that ended up winning outright, of the nine teams that covered that were dogs, the six that won were the following. Miami, Washington, Minnesota, Carolina, Philadelphia, and San Francisco. That Monday night game again, Crusher. They destroyed the Rams. Uh, home dogs were three and two. Miami, Washington, San Francisco. Three of those teams that were dogs that won. They were also home dogs as well. Well, that's how it would work, right? Home dog and then a dog wins. I mean, you know how it goes. You know what I'm trying to say. Uh, as for late week movement, there were seven games that you saw both the tickets and the money flow from one side to the other. Of those seven games, the results were four and three. The winners were the Washington football team, again, Buffalo, Minnesota, and Carolina. And then the losers were Cleveland, Atlanta, and the Broncos. And the Broncos saw a lot of money come in uh, their way as the week went on. But it was to no avail as they ended up losing. So the monies in the pros, uh, they were 7-6 and six with their movement over the, over the week. And the tickets were 6-7. and seven, So there really was nothing there. However, there was something to keep an eye on because... The money were 3-0 in games that they differed from the tickets. So, in other words, the tickets went one way and the money went the other way. And those games, the money was on the money. Oh, my God. I mean, this it's just going straight downhill. It's the last time I ever record super late at night because my brain is not working with my mouth and I'm saying stupid shit. But anyway, so the games that the money and the tickets ended up separating, Detroit was the winner, Pittsburgh was the loser, Jacksonville was the winner, Indianapolis was the loser, and New Orleans the winner and Tennessee was the loser and the money cashed on all three of those. So the overs and unders went to the unders again 10 and 3 in that one as for teasers 
The favorites and dogs were pretty mediocre. Favorites eight and six, dogs nine and five. The overs were seven and seven. The real place where you rocked it was with the unders. The unders teased were 12 and two. And so for the season right now, the unders and dogs are still where it's at. Dogs win 72% of their teasers. Unders hit 69% of their teasers. Teams with a halftime lead. They were 3 and 13. 3, 13 and 0. Rich, maybe you should take a nap and then come back and finish the podcast. You're probably right. I probably should, but I'm not going to. So anyway, the teams were 13 and 0. The only game that, because there were 14 games last week, the only game that didn't win was the Pittsburgh-Denver, the Detroit game, because the Lions and Steelers tied. Ugh, yuck. Who wants a tie? Nobody. Nobody. Uh, as for buys, there was really nothing there. The home buys were 1-0. and The Washington football team won. The road buys were 1-2. and Detroit won. Um, they covered, that is. And then Tampa Bay and Seattle ended up losing. So, wow. We got through that one. Barely, but we got through it. It wasn't pretty, but we got through it. So now, what do we got looking for the docket for Week 11? Well, I will tell you. We have nine games at 1 p.m. We have three games at 4 p.m. Seven of those games are home dogs. So we're going back over here to these home dog plays. I mean, you've seen so many of them this week, and now we've got seven more coming up this week. We have three double-digit favorites, and we have two games over 50 points right now for the over-unders. Only two. So, like we said, the unders have been coming in pretty heavy this year, and now you're seeing the lines kind of adjust as these big monster 50-plus numbers are now not as plentiful as they were earlier in the season. So, that's what we've got. As for our big games, what are we going to look at? You know, there aren't a whole lot of great games this week. I picked out the two. My brother, who usually is in attendance, could not make it this week, so he sent in all of his picks, and so I will try to rip through this uh, and, and go as easy on your ears as possible as to not to pain them with too much of uh, my velvety voice here. Uh, so let's kick it off with the top two games for the week. Second down. Second down. And... First game. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a battle of the AFC versus the NFC. Yes, we are going to fly out to Kansas City where the Chiefs are going to be taking on the Cowboys. The Chiefs right now are a two and a half point favorite in this one. The over-under is 56 points. So what do you have in this game? Well, you have Dallas coming in at 7-2. and two. They are third in the AFC. You have Kansas City as 6-4. and four. They are fourth in the AFC. Against the spread, Dallas is 8-4. One Kansas City obviously is not good. We have talked about it constantly throughout the year. They are three and seven total against the spread. As for their records versus the over, uh, Dallas is five and four, and Kansas City is five and five. You want to flip over and check out their offenses and defenses. The Dallas offense DVOA that is is number four going up against Kansas City's twenty eighth defense. 
Dallas's offense is second in the pass, 17th in the rush. Meanwhile, Kansas City's pass is 27th and rush is 26th. Dallas's defense is fourth. They're going to be going up against Kansas City's offense, which is fifth. What does Dallas do well? Well, they defend the pass really well. Their third DVOA against the against the pass, and they're 18th against the rush. Meanwhile, Kansas City, their fifth-ranked offense ranks 8th in the pass and 11th in the rush. So there is the breakdown of the two teams and where they line, statistically at least. So what do we got going here? I mean, look... For those of you that feel some kind of attachment to the conference of your choice, you know, you are a Chief fan, so you feel the AFC a little bit, old school AFL guy, uh, or a young AFL guy, who knows? Whatever floats your boat, right? This is kind of the battle uh, of attrition here. Uh, battle of attrition? I don't even know that's the right uh, terminology. But anyway, th- these two are going to represent their conference flags. And if you look at it right now, it's NFC. Because if you want to go and put everything in win-loss record order, the top tier of the NFL right now. Let's say it is 70% and above win percentage. Five teams total. Four of them are the NFC. There's only one from the AFC, and that is Tennessee. And meanwhile, on the bottom of that, so let's say any any teams with a 30% or below win percentage, there are five teams down there, and it's the complete opposite. Four are AFC, and one is NFC. So what... I'm basically trying to allude to here is that the NFC seems to be a little top heavy with the talent, at least when you look at the top tier teams. Now, if you want to do against the spread again, above 70%, there are four teams total. Three of those teams belong to the NFC. Green Bay, Dallas, which is in this game here, Arizona, and then Tennessee, again, is the one lone AFC team. And then at the very bottom, there are three teams below 30%. Two are AFC, one is NFC, and guess what? One of those is... Kansas City. So here you go. Against the spread, you've got one team in the top tier. You've got one team in the bottom tier. You know, if you're trying to find something here gambling related or statistically speaking, I guess you could say the AFC is really great with their over-unders because the, the top 60% or above, there are four teams that hit their overs, and they are all the AFC. The Jets, the Colts, the Titans, and the Browns. I mean, and then at the bottom, uh, you know, 30% and below, I mean, it's nothing. It's a mixed mosh of them all. But anyway, not a lot for the AFC in regards to the top-tier teams, except possibly in this game, because here you see the Kansas City Chiefs after having a big game last Sunday night against the Raiders, where they finally put up points that we are accustomed to seeing them put up, and now they possibly have returned to form. That's what everybody's going to like try to grasp at, right? It's going to be the Kansas City was in a funk. They're finally putting things together. This is the game that they did it, or last game was the game that they did it, and we have better and brighter things around the horizon, uh, you know, over the horizon for the Chiefs. The return to form is what everybody is looking for, and they're going to always pin it to the last performance. Now, this last performance was a good one. So they beat up on the Raiders and they look good. Mahomes put up points. So now everybody is 
looking at, as I mean, I should say, if you are a Chief fan, you are looking at this Cowboy game saying, you know what, this is where we're going to prove what team we really are and how we're going to make a run here toward the end. I mean, hell, who would have thunk it a couple of weeks ago? They were dead in the water, right? I mean, granted, that, that AFC West has become really flimsy. I, I mean, I, it was the Chargers... It was the Broncos, it was the Raiders, and it was the Chiefs. The Chiefs looked dead in the water, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. Well, no, the Chiefs looked dead in the water up until last week, right? And then you had the Chargers who looked phenomenal, and then they came off their bye and they've looked like shit. You've had the Broncos who looked phenomenal through three weeks, and then they went to shit. And then you had the Raiders who, I don't even know, did they ever look good and go to shit? I mean, they they just got destroyed the past two weeks. They lost. They got destroyed on Sunday by the Chiefs, and the week before that, they lost to the Giants, who were fucking terrible. And so, not a two a good two game stretch, if you ask me, for the Raiders. Regardless, we're talking about the Chiefs. We're talking about the Cowboys, and what we see here for this game. I again, when I look at old. All of the stats. I mean, the one thing that grabs me, and I said this, I think the week before I was looking at the same thing, is the stark contrast between the Dallas offense and the Kansas City defense. You're talking about 4 versus 28. Not good, right? Especially when Dallas' pass offense is second in the league. So... You look at Dallas' defense and Kansas City's offense. Yes, Kansas City's offense is okay. They're ranked fifth. Dallas' defense is good, though. Now, they are short players because you lost uh, you had lost uh, Demarcus Lawrence already to the IR. And then you lost Randy Gregory uh, two weeks ago. He went to the IR, too. So that meant they moved Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons ended up playing the line, but thankfully he played the line earlier in the season because of injury, so he was kind of accustomed to it. You have Tavon Diggs having a phenomenal year in the backfield, regardless of what PFF says, and maybe his coverage on a, you know every down cornerback isn't great, but he comes up with big turnovers, and he comes up with these big interceptions. He had another one last week. Um, you know... I think that the Dallas defense is going to be able to contain Kansas City's offense to a degree. I I do think there is the potential with Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey. Like, there'll always be potential for them to rock out a little bit, have a decent game, put up some yardage. However, I think that the Cowboys' defense will be able to keep it in check, at least keep it within firing range for the Dallas offense to do damage to this really awful defense that has not really gotten better at all throughout the year. I I mean, it just hasn't. And you thought that Spagnola might be able to come up with something, conjure up something that could get this. You know, because the defense was always, yeah, we let them score points, but we come up with big plays or we can make big plays. And this year it hasn't happened and as a result they've been struggling here now they put it together they're six and four which is pretty impressive for all the shit they've been taking throughout the media and every podcast on the planet but they are six and four they are now on top of their division and that you got to give credit where credit is due so even through all of that they 
stayed close enough that they were able to take control of their division. Well, I mean, not control, but at least take the crown for their division in week 11 of the NFL season. So, I mean, they couldn't have been doing that bad, right? I mean, <laughs> unless their division is just awful, which kind of is, but eh, let's not talk about that. So, as it is for this game, um, what do you see happening? I I, I can't tell you. I think that they, it's going to be a close game, and when push comes to shove, I think that Dallas is going to be able to pull this one off. That's what I'm thinking right now. I am actually taking the Cowboys in this one. My brother also is taking the Cowboys in this game. Where's everything else right now? Well, you have a trifecta game because you have the Sharps in on the Chiefs. You have 56% of the tickets, and you have 52% of the money in on the Chiefs. So everybody's on the Chiefs with the exception of us. We are and we are taking the Cowboys in this one. Again, these numbers are for a 4 o'clock game. That'll probably be heavier bet after the 1 o'clock games and as the week goes on. So some of this is bound to change. I imagine the Sharps are probably going to stay on the Chiefs, but the tickets and the money will probably change. But as of right now, uh, Wednesday night into Thursday morning, you are looking at a trifecta game with everything right now favoring the Chiefs. So the next game that we will talk about will be the Sunday night football game. Look, we could have went two ways here. I was looking at the Packers and Vikings, and I thought, you know, that, that's a good game too. Point spreads too. You know, NFC North battle. But let, let's be honest here. The better of the two games in terms of relevance is the Chargers-Steelers game. The Chargers are going to be hosting in this one, so Pittsburgh will be heading out west for this Sunday night battle. The Chargers are going to be five-and-a-half-point favorites now. And there is some question from where I sit as to whether this spread is reflective of a Big Ben quarterback start or a Mason Rudolph quarterback start. As it is right now, Big Ben is still not playing for the Steelers, not uh, practicing, I should say, because of his COVID-19 designation. I would imagine, I have not heard anything to the contrary, that he should be able to clear and play. He is vaccinated, so all he needs is the two tests uh, that come back negative within 48 hours. But then again, if he continues to test positive, what good does that do? So he is currently not practicing, I believe, um, but there was the expectation he would play. At that, I thought it was going to be closer than the five and a half, and it was not. So I don't really know how to interpret the five and a half point spread here for Chargers Steelers on Sunday Night Football. But this game has the importance to it because right now, both of these teams are on the outside looking in. Um, well, the Pittsburgh is not, but Los Angeles is outside looking in in regard to owning their division. Pittsburgh right now is 5-3-1. They are sitting at 5th in the AFC. So they are the owner of the first wild card uh 
entry into the postseason. Meanwhile, the Chargers are 5-4. and four. They are sitting at 7th, so they are currently out. So you have Pittsburgh with the wild card, and you have the Chargers beating on the door. Against the spread, these teams are the opposite. Pittsburgh is 3-6 and six against the spread. The Los Angeles Chargers are 5-4 and four versus the over. Both teams are not so good. Pittsburgh is 2-6-1. The Chargers are 3-6. and six. Checking out their offenses and defenses, the Pittsburgh offense will come in not uh, stout this year. They are 22nd in the league DVOA. They're 22nd in pass, 23rd in rush. Meanwhile, the Los Angeles Chargers defense is 18th, which is surprising because if you haven't heard around the league anywhere, or it means you haven't turned on a radio at any point in the past three, four weeks, their rush defense is fucking terrible. So their defense is 18th, their pass defense is 7th, but their rush defense is dead last, 32nd in the league. Suck a motherfucker! 32 out of 32. They can't stop a thing. Najee Harris, big week fantasy-wise, buddy. Get ready. Owners are way ready. They are looking for big things out of Najee Harris this week. Now, flip it around. The Los Angeles Chargers offense is 6th in the league, ninth in the pass, 15th in the rush, and Pittsburgh's defense is 14th, 15th in the pass, 17th in the rush. So a more, well, even in both regards, you know, you're looking at the Chargers 18th defense versus 22nd offense of Pittsburgh, and then flip it around, Chargers offense is 6th versus Pittsburgh's 14th. So a good battle either way. Obviously, the one uh, area of focus is that Charger rush defense because it's dead last in the league and you have a player such as Najee Harris for the Steelers that's going to get the rock quite a bit, especially especially if Mason Rudolph has to go for a second go-round here for the Steelers under center. So how did I, you know, I don't even know how, what to make of this game unless you have a bias as to what the starting quarterbacks are going to be. So I looked at this game as five and a half points, but with Big Ben playing. So that being the case, I ended up taking the Steelers because I just thought that five and a half was way too many points for a Steeler team that, you know, has come along a little bit. They're still not where people thought they might be. Big Ben, you know, obviously the Matt Canada offense getting inserted this year, thought that it was going to lead to, you know, big results. It did not really happen in the beginning of the year, but things have kind of slowly come around. Um, I thought that that the five and a half was just too much. I, and I've, I've not been impressed with the Chargers offense the past couple of weeks. I mean, Justin Herbert went from looking like the next Joe Montana to, well, I mean, not Joe Montana, the games aren't really similar, but um, it went from looking like the next best quarterback to, you know, a, a starter, but an average guy. I don't know what happened, but it happened over the over the bye week, really. I mean, it was like they, they went into the bye and they came out and not so good. So... I ended up taking the Steelers in this one with the five and a half points. My brother was on the other end. He ended up taking the Chargers in this one. And that game for him was one of his best five. So that was a lock on his side. Now, 
again, I, I don't know what to do here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say this. If Big Ben is going to play in this game, I am taking the Steelers and the minus 5.5. If he is not playing in this game, and that is the actual spread, 5.5, I, I mean, whatever. I don't, if he doesn't play in this game, I'm taking the charges probably regardless of what the spread is because I have no face in Mason Rudolph. So I am taking the Steelers in the 5.5 with Big Ben or I'm just defaulting to the Chargers and whatever spread it might be if it is Mason Rudolph. Now, my brother likes the Chargers so much that not only is it a lock, but it is also his survivor pick of the week. So put that one in there, folks. So my brother, all over the Chargers this week, and when we get to it later, I do believe that the Chargers factor into some of his gambling. So looking at the over-under, it is 47 points. These two teams combine 5-12-1 against the over. So these two teams do not clock in quite, quite often. And at 47 points, it's not a 50 bomb, but it's not low either. 47 is, I, I mean, regard looking at this week and all of the over-unders, there are two games that are over 50, 50 or over, right? And then after that, you've got a 49, a 49, a 49. It, it's probably the lower tier, but still 47 is not dead last in this week's spreads. And with two teams combining to be 5-12-1, possible underplay here. I did not take it as one of my two games. I have other ones, but I did look at this game with the 47 points there. Uh, obviously, if Big Ben plays, I think they might be able to hit it. If he doesn't, I, you know that's probably going to adjust. I imagine I'll probably adjust maybe two points, maybe a 47 to 45, in which case I don't think that'll be enough. If Mason Rudolph's in there, they're probably going to have to dial that down quite a bit more. And if they don't, there might be a little bit of uh, arbitrage there. Uh, well, it's not arbitrage either, but there might be a little bit of an edge and some money to be made with the under. Um, and that, I guess, will do it, right? That That's game number two. And there wasn't really anything else. You know, that, that Packers-Vikings game. But I think we'll just rip through that as we go through the rest of the schedule. And speaking of the rest of the schedule, let's dive right into it. And we will start off with tomorrow night's game. Third down. And as we begin, we will begin with Thursday night. Thursday night football in Atlanta. Atlanta, where the Falcons will be facing off against the New England Patriots. The Patriots on fire right now. Patriots just mopping up on all their opponents. Mac Jones, Rookie of the Year candidate. Looking like it, I mean, probably has that locked in right now. Everything coming together for Bill Belichick and the Patriots, where it was falling apart just four weeks ago, five weeks ago. It's now in the driver's seat, kicking ass and taking names. Falcons falling apart, falling apart in 2021. It's been a crazy season for the Falcons. Obviously, they had a, a, a couple of games that could have went their way. I think it's specifically of that Buccaneers game where it was close, but... Matty, Matty Ice ends up throwing 
terrible picks to uh, right to Tampa Bay that result. I think they resulted two pick six, right? I mean, the game wasn't that long ago, but God, you know, after so much football gets crammed in your head, you forget about some of it, but I'm pretty sure he had two pick sixes in that game. But anyway, the Patriots are going to be seven-point favorites on the road here. So we have a road dog. It is the first road dog that we have talked about today. And like I mentioned earlier, there are seven of them. But Thursday night, we'll see the first, and that will be in Atlanta. The over-under on this game is 47.5. The Sharps right now coming in on the Falcons. The tickets and the money firmly planted on the Patriots. 79% of the tickets are going toward the Patriots, and 84% of the money pool will be with New England as well. As for injuries in the game, Cordell Patterson is going to be a game-time decision. They don't know what's going to happen with him and that ankle. I guess he's tried to play a little bit this week, uh, practice this week, but I mean, obviously with a Thursday night game and, and having the injury on just last Sunday, looks like it's going to be tough for him to play. He might try to give it a go, hobble, and then go out if he makes the initial lineup. Uh, obviously, there is a good chance that he just doesn't even suit up. So we will find out Thursday night. As for New England, Damian Harris, who was out with a concussion last week, uh, Ramonde Stevenson came in there and mopped up fantastic in spot duty for him. Well, it wasn't even spot duty, right? They picked him up as a as a rookie, uh, and he he, they had high hopes for him. He, he started a little bit in the preseason, was really kicking ass, and then all of a sudden he kind of took a back seat. I think he was inactive for a game too, and then obviously has picked it up in the past three games, and then last week he got thrown in there as a starter and really kicked a lot of ass. So Damian Harris comes back. We'll see if he gets utilized in the same manner that he did previously, or if Stevenson gets a little bit more of a nod. Now, I mean, Harris was their number one scorer. I think he's got seven touchdowns on the season. So he's been a valuable part of that offense. But when you have players come in and replace injured players, especially at a position, a skill position such as running back, and they end up just balling the fuck out. Sometimes they just take the rock and they run with it, right? And Belichick, he don't give a fuck. I mean, come on, let's be honest. This guy has been in the league long enough that he doesn't owe anything to anybody. He wants to win, and that's all he wants to win, and that's all he wants to do. And so if it's Stevenson that gets him there, then Harris could take a backseat. We'll see, but anyway, he's back from his concussion, and he will be playing in this game. So this game, we'll see both Eggy boys picking the Patriots, and they will be both of our locks of the week. One of our five locks. So my brother's got two in here already with the Chargers and now the Patriots. And that will be my first top five pick of the week. We both like New England. I've been on New England a couple of weeks now. And I think that they will continue on here. Seven points is a bunch of points. But the Falcons, really, I mean, they've already lost Ridley to his mental health issues. He's on the IR. And if they lose Patterson... I mean, what do they got left? Pitts? That's it. You know, I, uh, Russell Gage, I thought he was going to come in there and perform something for him. He has come in there and done jack shit. He has done nothing. I mean, it really crazy because Gage was okay as the three last year. I mean, Julio Jones barely played last year. He left the team, and it's as though the entire offense imploded. Which, you know, I mean, they just brought in Arthur Smith. It's supposed to be an improvement. Granted, 
Julio left, but he didn't really play all that much last year. He was injured a bunch. Anyway, it has just not been the Falcons' year. So I am taking the Patriots, as is my brother. The Ravens will be traveling to Chicago. This will be the first 1 o'clock game we talked about. The second home dog that we mentioned, as the Bears are currently 4.5-point underdogs in Soldier Field versus the Ravens. Ravens obviously battling back after they suffered that awful loss at the hands of the Dolphins on Thursday night football of last week. They'll be looking to bounce back here. And right now, four and a half point favorites. 45 is the over-under. As to where the Sharps are, they're not going to tell you. They have not taken a side as of right now. But the tickets are in favor of the Ravens. 74% to 26%. And then the Money pool is on the Ravens by a margin of 60% right now. So I am going to take the Ravens. My brother also taking the Ravens. But for him, make it yet another lock. So this kid's got five. He's already got three in the books. Chargers, Patriots, and now the Ravens. We will travel to Tennessee for the next game where the Titans, the red-hot Titans, are going to be hosting the Texans. Ugh, this is not the game that you want to be playing if you're Houston. You have a terrible year. You get a break. You take the week off. You come back. We're going to change things around. We're going to do things differently. It's going to come around, and you got to walk into the buzzsaw that is the Tennessee Titans right now, who's doing it without Derrick Henry. A defense that has really come around. I shit on that defense for a, a, the first quarter of the season at least. And I, you know, at a certain point, you just gotta you know, throw the throw in the towel because their defense has been playing well. Not spectacular, but well enough that you can't really shit on them anymore. But they beat the Rams, and then they have the big game last week where they were able to, to fight it out, duke it out, and get that victory versus the Saints. So now they're going to host the Titans. The Titan, the, They're going to host the Titans. The Titans are going to host the Texans. The Titans are 10-point favorites right now. The over-under is 45.5 points. Sharps are going to come in here on the side of Houston. The tickets and the money are on the Titans. The money more so. The money pool is 86% in favor of Tennessee. As for the Eggies, they are going to be on the the Texans, yes. We do not like the 10 points. We are going to come in there. And even though I think that the Titans will for sure win this game, uh, watch that one. That, that has blown up in my face before. But I do not think that 10 points is really that fair. I mean, I mean, I, I you know, I, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Uh, what am I laughing about? I am laughing about the fact that if you listen to this podcast, I have said this about the tight, the Texans several times. I have said, you know, uh, they're not that bad. And 10 points, and then they end up getting destroyed. And it's the same line of bullshit that I'm going to spew at you this time as I pick the Texans this week. Who knows? I just think the 10 points is too much. I don't know. I, the Titans will probably win by 30 at this point. But I'm going with the Texans. 
So we will travel to Philadelphia for the next game. I hate talking about this game. I hate talking about the Eagles altogether. I can't help it. There's something about the city of Philadelphia that has just sat wrong with me. And it has nothing to do with the actual city of Philadelphia. I've actually been there a couple times, went for a couple bachelor parties. It's actually pretty fun. But God damn, going to any kind of sporting event around North Jersey or anything where Philadelphia fans come into play, it is ju- they're just a different breed, folks. I, I mean, you just you saw it on the on the internet. I mean, they eat horse shit when they win the Super Bowl. How do you compete with those people? How do you how can you put yourself in their orbit? It, it's very difficult. But anyway, here we are talking about the Eagles face, facing off against the Saints. The Saints lost that game last week versus the Texans. Te- Texans versus the Titans, but they did cash in for everybody as they fought back to lose by two, which was good for that dog cover. But this week, they are going to be dogs against the Eagles by one and a half. That is the current spread for Philadelphia. The over-under is 43 points. The Sharps like the Eagles. The ticket and money are both on the Saints by a margin of 59% each. So, with that Eagles one and a half point spread, I would love to go with the Saints because that's what my brother did, but I cannot do it. So, Chris is going to go with the Saints. I am actually going to go with the Eagles, and it's going to be one of my locks of the week. Uh, I just don't like anything that I see out of the Saints at any given time. I know that they've had okay games. They've lost games versus, like, the the, uh, the Giants. They got Trevor Simeon at quarterback. They are going to get Alvin Kamara back for this game. So I maybe, but look, the Eagles have looked okay these past couple of weeks. And the thing that I like about the Eagles is I like that they have big playability, which I don't think the Saints do. So with the big playability, if they get up a couple of scores, you know, then you're going to have to lean on Camaro and that defense. Now, the one thing that New Orleans does have going for them is that that Saints defense is pretty stout. It's a good defense, and that could keep them in this game, uh, if not power them to a victory, especially if that defense is able to come up with some key turnovers against Jalen Hurts and that Eagle offense. But I am going to take the Eagles. I'm going to lock that sucker in as one of my top picks. My brother is going to go with the Saints. In regard to the over-under... I am going to take this as one of my two games. I'm going to go over here the 43 points for the Eagles versus the Saints. Uh, I just thought that was a low, low point total for an Eagles team that I know can score and the Saints team that I think is going to have to score in order to keep up with the Eagles. So 23 points, I mean, you're looking at 24-21 as a cover. So I'm, I'm I'm liking the over on that one. So lock it in. That's what I said. Hit hit the lock again. Uh, one more time, Rich. There you go. Hit another sound bite. Oh, fat finger the roar. There's my cliche monster. Oh, give yourself a whammy. Because you stink. Now, let's go over to uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey, where the Jets will be hosting the Dolphins in an AFC East battle. The Dolphins currently a road favorite by 3.5 points. Over under here is 44.5. The Sharps are on the Jets. The tickets and money are on the Dolphins pretty heftily. 75% of the tickets, 84% of the money. I am going to be taking it, and my brother's going to be taking it, and... Double lock that sucker. So, I mean, we have talked about 
five games at the top here, and we have gotten locks in almost every single game. So this will be another one of Chris's and another one of mine. The Dolphins right now... I. I don't think that they're a great football team. The Jets are just that awful. And they're starting Joe fucking Flacco. Joe Flacco? What? Oh, my God. What year is it? Honestly, tell me, what fucking year is it? 2021 and Joe Flacco's starting quarterback? Oh, give me the other team. Whoever they are, I don't care. And it's the Dolphins, though. Buffalo is going to be hosting the Colts. This could be a good game, although the point spread does not reflect it. The Bills at home favored by 7.5 over Indianapolis here. The over-under is 50 points. The Sharps have not taken a lean yet. 52% of the tickets are on Buffalo, as is 67% of the money. My brother is going to take the Bills in this. I am going to end up taking the Colts. I just don't like the 7.5. I think it's a lot of points to a Colts team that has performed well here uh, over the backstretch and has definitely, you know, improved quite a bit from the beginning part of the season. Now, for my brother, he is actually going to take the Colts and he's going to put them in as his knockout pick. So that's how much he likes the Bills in this game. Although, looking at his bets, which we have not got talked about quite yet, he doesn't have the Bills as one of his locks, nor in his... Uh, any of his parlays, especially his money line pool. So if he thought the Colts were going to get knocked out, you should have put it in your money line pool. You should come on the pod and then you can defend yourself as I just shit all over you. Sucker. Anyway, so my brother's going to take the Colts and he that's going to be his knockout pick. He is going to take the Bills and I am going to take the Indianapolis Colts to at least cover the seven and a half here. The Browns are going to be hosting the Lions. The Browns currently 11 point, 11 and a half now point favorites at home. The over-under is 43 and a half points. The Sharps are going to be in on the Browns. The tickets and the money are on the Lions. 87% of the money is actually on the Lions. So I am going to take the Lions here. Uh, you know... <sighs> It scares me, though, because much like the Steeler game, I am now reading all kinds of stories about how um, Shipwreck Goffel might not play. If he doesn't play, then I, again, am taking the Browns regardless of the point spread. So at 11.5 points, I am taking the Lions factoring in golf under center. Golf not under center. I am going to flip over the Browns regardless of what the point spread is. My brother is locking it in right now. He is taking the Browns uh, at the 11.5. So neither of us have anything else to do. Uh, you know, there's no locks in this game. We're not taking the over-under. But we are going to both take the Browns. The only uh, caveat there is that I will be on the Lions and the 11.5 if Goffel plays. The Packers are going to be in Minnesota. We've got a road favorite here as the Packers are two-point favorites over Minnesota. 49 is the over-under in this one. Right now, the Sharps are on the Vikings. The tickets and money are on the Packers. My brother is on the Packers. I also am on the Packers. And... It's going to be one of my locks of the week. So I'm going to be taking Packers here in this spot, two points. Look, the Vikings, uh, they blew so many games. They should be so much better. And then all of a sudden they play Los Angeles last week, and they actually do get it done. Uh, the 
Packers wasted a game last week. Well, two two weeks ago they wasted a game. They got a loss where they should have got a one because they had Love in there. Uh, Jordan Love instead of Rodgers because of the COVID bullshit. And then they came back last week, put Rodgers under center, and he didn't look good at all. The only problem was that the Seahawks looked infinitely worse. So now you get a week more under your belt. I know that Rodgers right now has a toe injury that he's battling, so there is a question mark there. But I'm sure he's going to be playing even with toe injury. Um, and the Vikings, I have no faith in Kirk Cousins. I'm sorry. I, you know, Maybe he gets it done. Maybe he doesn't. But I am a betting man, and I have to take the Packers here in this spot because they're the better team with a better quarterback, and they're only a two-point favorite here, even though it is on the road. It's in a dome, so who gives a shit, right? Um, as for the over-under, it is going to be a mono e mono between my brother and I as he is going to take the over, and I am going to take the under. I was looking at this game. These two teams combined are 6-13 and 13 against their overs, and the over here is 49 points, which is a bunch. Now, I think easily, yeah, sure, it could smash the 49 and be high up. I think what's more likely is you might see a lower scoring affair, not super low, but at least low enough that it would be under the 49 points. Not confident of it, but I was looking at all the thing, all the other spreads this week, and it is the one that I like on the lower end compared to anything else I can be get as an under because the unders is what's hitting. So that's what I want to play. I don't want to play an over unless it's like super juicy, which I already did with the Eagles and the Saints. So I am taking the under here at 49. My brother is taking the over. The Panthers are going to be hosting the Washington football team. Who will be the Panthers quarterback? That is the question of the hour. It sounds as though that Cam Newton, after he returned, after his two-year absence uh, in New England, is going to return. Well, is it even two years? No, it was one. He he was there last year, and he was kind of there for a couple months this year, and then he went back. So he took one year off, and now he is possibly under center for the Panthers this week. Who knows? He got back in there. He, you know, he scores a touchdown last week. Takes off his helmet and fucking starts screaming. I'm back. I'm back. I mean, nobody gives a shit, motherfucker. Sure, fine. You're back. You still can't throw the ball worth a shit. That was what didn't work out in New England. <laughs> you, if you saw the games, you know what happened. You couldn't throw the fucking ball. That's why they got rid of you. So now you're back. Uh, I, you're back so long as you could throw the football. Because when you can't throw the football, I don't know how how back you're going to be. Anyway, point being, they're three-and-a-half-point favorites here over the football team. 43 is the over-under. The Sharps like the Panthers. The Tickets like the Panthers to the tune of 61%, and the money is evenly split. I am going to take the Panthers in this one, and I'm going to lock it in because I like the Panthers' defense. That's why I'm taking this game. I think the Panthers' defense is good, and I think their offense could be okay. McCaffrey is back. Anderson Robbie Anderson is looking okay. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Moore is all right. So I think they have pieces. And regardless of who they put under center, whether it's P.J. Walker or Cam Newton, I think that they can both get it done enough that they can win by three and a half at home versus a Washington football team that pulled one out of their ass last week. I mean, come on. Let's be serious. Tampa Bay wins that game nine out of ten st- Nine out of ten times, and I, you know, there's nothing different about this football team from earlier in the season, other than they just lost Chase Young last last week. So, you know, three and a half, you can't 
make the Panthers, who had no offense to speak of in weeks, a bigger favorite than three and a half, I, I guess. But I, I like it because I, I think there's a little bit of value there. I, I don't think that Washington is going to be able to stay with it um, in this game, not because of the Panthers' offense again, but because of the Panthers' defense, which is why I took the Panthers as a lock. Um, in regard to the over-under, these teams are 7-12. and 12. The only problem with being 7-12 and 12 against the over is that the over here is 43 points. So, uh, you know, it's it's tough to pick an under here when it's 43. I know I didn't say what my brother was picking, but that was because he is picking the other team. He is picking the Washington football team, and I skipped over his pick, but that's what it is. So we're on opposite ends on this one. I'm on Carolina. He is on Washington. Uh, over under is 43 points, which kind of knocks out the fact that these two teams don't hit their overs all that much. And the final 1 o'clock game that we have is the 49ers hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Here you go. Yet another road dog. 49ers favored by 6. 6. I mean a home dog here. Road dog. Who who cares about a road dog? That's what it's supposed to be. A home dog here in the Jaguars who are underdogs by 6 points to San Francisco. Over under is 45 points. The tickets heavily in favor of the 49ers at 72%. The money heavily favored on Jacksonville at 73%. And this is a 1 o'clock game. You know, look. um, Joe Biden. Look. Uh, So the 49ers are going to be flying in from California. They are going to be flying in from California and playing a 1 o'clock game. Not the 4 o'clock game that kind of absolves it or a night game. They're going to be playing a 1 o'clock game. This is the killer because you have the travel plus the time change. Um, and then down in Florida, oh boy, I have not seen the weather, so I don't know if it's going to be super hot. But whatever it might be, um, you know, heat could also be a factor. I, all of that combined makes that six feel heavy. It just it, it feels a little heavy. However, regardless, I'm still taking the 49ers on this one, and my brother's taking it with the lock. So that is going to be his final fifth game of uh, the Super Picks for the week. And so we're both in on the 49ers there. That is the final 1 o'clock game. We have three games at 4. The first game being the Raiders hosting the Bengals. Here you go. Yet again, another home dog. Raiders underdogs by one to Cincinnati, which I guess, you know, like Cincinnati was not great in the beginning of the year. Then they had this little stretch, and all of a sudden, they right they beat the Ravens. And then everybody thinks that the Bengals have arrived, and they're a top-tier team. And then they end up losing to the Jets, and now they've come back down to earth. But here they go up against the Raiders. Now, the Raiders have had two bad weeks. They lost to the Giants, and then they got shellacked by the Chiefs. But the Raiders, to be an underdog here at home versus a Bengal team that minus you know a little stretch there in the middle has not done a whole fucking hell of a lot. Right, I, I don't know. I ended up taking the Raiders on this one. My brother ended up taking the Bengals. The over-under is 49.5 points. That is going to be one of my brother's plays. He is going to take the over in this one. He likes for a big bomb 
of a game here. Well, not a bomb of a game, but a, a you know fireworks game getting over the 49.5. The Sharps are going to come in on the Raiders. The tickets and the money. Well, the tickets are on the Bengals. The Sharps and the money are on the Raiders in this one. So you definitely see the pros versus Joes in Cincinnati versus Las Vegas with the Joes liking the Bengals. The second, well, second of three games for 4 o'clock, but the last that we're going to talk about, because we already talked about Chiefs-Cowboys, is the Cardinals in Seattle facing off against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. The Cardinals are going to be a road favorite here by 2.5 points, so obviously this line is looking at Kyler Murray as the starting quarterback for Arizona. Uh, tickets are in favor of Arizona right now, 56%. The money is going to be on the Seahawks at 74%. Sharps are going to come in and also lean on Seattle. So you have pros versus Joes in this game with the pros liking the Seahawks, the Joes liking the Cardinals. The over-under is 48 points. I am going to end up taking the Seahawks. My brother is going to take the Cardinals. And we've talked about the... The third 4 o'clock game, we talked about the Sunday night game. So then that leaves us one game left to talk about, and that is the Monday night football game. You are going to see the New York football Giants face off against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. at the. Uh, it's not the Sombrero anymore, right? It's the uh, Pirate Ship, whatever it is, Raymond James Stadium. The Buccaneers currently 10.5-point favorites in this one. The second biggest spread of the week behind the Browns and the Lions spread. But the Bucs are 10.5-point favorites against the G-Men. And the over-under is at 49.5 points. There is no sharp uh, lean yet for the Monday night game. Why would there be? The money is hefty in favor of the Bucs at 86%. The Giants have 57% of the tickets in this one. As for where we're going to go, I'm a Giants fan, but I'm going on the Bucks. My brother always bets on the Giants, and so he's going to do it this week too. Even though two weeks ago he went on the other side. I, you know, it's like I can't figure out. He, he says he loves these teams, and then he goes the other way. Whatever. I don't know what to make of it. But this week he's back on the Giants, and this week I am on the Bucks. I ten and a half points is a lot of points. I, I granted, especially for a Bucks team that just lost a Washington football team. But the game is at home. You are talking about Tom Brady versus a Giants defense that doesn't have a whole lot of talent. Um, and they have not played well on top of it. And then offense, you'd be like, well, you know, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley's coming back this week. They got Tony, Galladay, Sterling Shepard should be coming back. They have some offense. They should be able to go. Yeah, maybe you're right. But then again, our offensive coordinator is the fucking clapper. So how much are you really winning with Jason Garrett there? I mean, I'm just, I'm taking the better coaching staff. I'm taking the better quarterback. And, I, you know, I don't know if they're the better defense, though, because that secondary has just been really shitty. And they just threw Richard Sermon on the IR. So the Buccaneers are going to lose Sherman, who they brought in there to try to patch things up. But he went out in the warm-ups last week with a calf injury, I think it was, and he's going to be out yet again. So, I mean, screw, who knows? It's just, 
it, it's crazy the injuries that are taking place in 2021. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, it's nuts. So, I mean, I, we didn't even get to talk about a, a lot of them. We mentioned some of these, but I mean, going down, uh, I'm just going to rip off a, a whole bunch of names that I read. Chris Carson, he is not going to come back this week. He had the neck injury. He tried to come back and it, it didn't look good. So he's going to be out again. Denard, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, he's going to miss his third week in a row with his hamstring. Marquise Brown from the Ravens, he was out with a thigh injury. Khalil Mack and Allen Robinson, they were both out of practice today. Rodgers, I mentioned, he had the toe. Joey Bosa, he might not even play. He's not vaccinated, and he was listed as a close contact. So he might not play in that Pittsburgh game. Uh, Tua, even though he is set to play, he played last week in where when it came down to emergency duty because uh, Brissett went down. He's still battling the finger injury. I just mentioned Sherman going to the IR. Um, let's see. Oh, Robinson, James Robinson from Jacksonville, the running back. He missed practice again with that heel injury. Miles Jack missed practice. I mean, God, the list goes. Elijah Mitchell, the running back from San Francisco, who had a phenomenal year so far. Uh, you know, he was banged up a little bit, came back. I, he got a finger in it. Fractured finger is what he has. He might not play. Indianapolis at Buffalo, Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson didn't practice today. I mean, you know, those are your the best defensive and best offensive player that you got. And they both missed practice. And, you know, you go to Detroit at Cleveland, Nick Chubb, they don't even know if he's going to come back yet. He's got to pass the two uh, negative tests because of COVID-19. He don't know if he's going to be able to do it. Kareem Hunt, he was going to come back. He's not going to come back this week. Baker Mayfield didn't practice because on top of his shoulder injury, now he's got a knee injury. And then Jared Goff didn't uh, practice, and we don't even know if he's going to play. So, I, I mean, I just rip through all of those. I, I mean, every week it's something new. I don't know how you do it. Fantasy has become so impossible. I mean, if you're on fantasy, you either lucked out in the draft or you didn't. And I, I even at lucking out of the draft, you have to sit there on the waiver wire and just pound it every week because so many of your guys are going down. It's just silly. It really is. It's just becoming. And I played fantasy football now for 20 plus years. And I have never, never had a season that frustrated me more than this season. I've had seasons where I just shit to bed and I tanked. And I looked at my drafts and I was like, ah, yeah, well, you know, you, you gassed a little bit too much on aging this year. You gassed a little bit too much on potential on this year. You know, I mean, it happens. It's just fantasy football. But I, I haven't had a year like I've had this year in quite a while. Uh, And I feel like I said that last year, too, but nothing like this. I I mean, it's just my drafts were so bad. And looking back at it, I'm like, I I can't figure out what the hell happened. A lot of it was injury. I mean, I had one league where I had Miles Sanders, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and Saquon Barkley. They were supposed to be my two running backs and my flex. And they were all out. (laughs) <laughs> the entire year. I also had Kenny Galladay. He was out. Uh, and the same team, that, mind you. Um, and then I had somebody else, but he went out too. I, but, I mean, what do you do? What do you do? And there was a, um, the league that I run myself. I was going through this with one of my friends who happens to be in the league uh, with me. But I was going through the players that I drafted in this. Let me pull it up real quick. I have a text message to him. This is boring to anybody. But, I mean, this is I'm trying to articulate how shitty a season of fantasy this is compared to years past because it's just 
and people that have played and have seen this, you know, played routinely have seen this, and you probably feel the same thing. My number three, four, five, and six picks in the draft, right? So in this draft, my number one pick was Jonathan Taylor. I got that sucker right on the money. My number two pick was DeAndre Hopkins. I got it on the money, but he ended up being hurt. But I'm not going to say that was a, you know... DeAndre Hopkins was a little bit of a risk because he was old, and anything with old players, it's just susceptible to go downhill quick. I knew that going into it. He looked a little rough in the beginning, then all of a sudden he came around, and then he got hurt, and so that's just the risk that you take. So I'm not going to blame that on a bad... It, it would, I knew what I was doing. I liked his upside. I, the only thing I was afraid of was that he was older, and it could fall apart, and ultimately it ended up doing so. But the three, four, five, and six picks of that league... So I go in, I get Taylor. I go in, I get DeAndre Hopkins. My next picks were Allen Robinson the second. Chris Carson, Brandon Ayuk, and OBJ. I mean, it doesn't get much more than that. You are a stupid asshole. That's exactly what he is. It's, I mean, it just doesn't get much more shittier than that. It really doesn't. I mean, I cut Ayuk. OBJ hasn't done shit all year, and he was injured. Robinson, I cut. I cut Robinson, and I cut Ayuk. They were in my starting lineup week one, and I cut them. I mean, and Chris Carson hasn't played since week three. It's like, I, ugh. anyway, uh, where the hell was I? Oh, I was talking about injuries because I was talking about uh, injuries. What was I talking about? Buck injuries? I don't know. I completely got off the rails here. Anyway, uh, circling all the way back. My brother took the Giants. I took the Bucks, And that is all she wrote for this week's games. So that leaves us with putting our money where our mouth is. Fourth down. And so we will start off with our super contest picks. I've already alluded to these as we've gone on throughout the podcast, but I took the Patriots, Eagles, Dolphins, Packers, and Panthers. My brother also took the Patriots and the Dolphins. He threw in the Ravens, 49ers, and Chargers to his five-pack. As for our over-under games... I am taking the over in Philadelphia and New Orleans. I am also taking the under in Green Bay, Minnesota. My brother on the flip side is going to take the over in Green Bay, Minnesota. So we're on opposite ends of the table on that one. And then he took the over for Cincinnati, Las Vegas. He took the over 50 in that one. Survivor knockout. I am going to take Tennessee this week. I ended up taking Tampa Bay last week. That did not work out good. I am going to take Tennessee. They were available for me this week, and so that is how I am going to try to push on, even though I have lost now three times in the Survivor Pool, so I am way, way out of it, unless I have had a fourth entry. As for the knockout side of it, I am going to take Indianapolis. My knockouts also have not done good this week, this year. Last week, I had Minnesota, and Minnesota ended up winning, and the week before that, Jacksonville. Jacksonville ended up winning. It's like, oh, man. It's just been a rough go for me, anything gambling-related in 2021. As for my brother, he is going to take the Chargers as a survivor and the Colts as a knockout. And that leaves us to our bets. 
So here we go. I will start with my brother because he has done better than I have. He has 3150 in his bankroll going into this week. He's going to take 100 of that and put it on the Patriots straight up to win uh, at 6.5 points with that spread. He is then going to take 50 and put it on a four-team parlay. He is going to take the Cowboys on the money line so the Cowboys to win that game in Kansas City. He's also going to take the 49ers to win. He's taking the money line there. So just to win outright in Jacksonville, I don't know what they're favored by. But uh, Cowboys are an underdog. The 49ers are a favorite. And then he is taking two straight-up lines. He's taking the cards in the minus two. And he's taking the Chargers minus five and a half. So his parlay, 14 parlay for the week, $50 on Cowboys to win, 49ers to win, Cards by two, and Chargers by five and a half. As for his teasers, he is going to have two this week. He is going to take his parlay, and he is going to tease them all. So the Cowboys go up to nine. The Cards go up to four. The Chargers go up to a half a point, and the 49ers come down to zero. It comes to a pickup. Um, so he is going to be taking the 49ers, Cowboys, Cards, and Chargers in a tease. The other tease that he has is going to be five teams, and it's going to be completely different. He's going to be taking the Vikings, moving them up to eight points. He's going to be taking the Titans, bringing them down to four. He's going to take Indianapolis, bump them up to 13 and a half. I like that. I was looking at that earlier. And then he is going to take the Saints, moving them to plus seven, and then Finally, the fifth team is the Washington football team, and he is moving them to plus nine and a half. So to recap, the five-team tees he has is the Vikings plus eight, Titans minus four, Colts plus 13 and a half, Saints plus seven, and the Washington football team plus nine and a half. As for me, I am going to have three bets on the line. I am going to have two parlays that are correlated and then a teaser. I am going to take the Packers and the Panthers. Packers at minus two. Panthers at minus three and a half. I'm going to put a hundred down on that. And then the parlay is going to feature those two teams along with the Cowboys on the money line. I also like the Cowboys to win that game. And my thought process here is that, hey, look, if I get the other two games and the Cowboys do pull it off, then I get a nice little push here. So I'm going to put 50 on that one. Again, if they lose, I still can use the Packer, the Panthers alone to net me some profit. The teaser I'm going to look, I'm going to end up doing favorites here. I'm going to take the big spreads, bring them down. I'm a sucker for this. I know it, but that's what I like to do. I am taking the Patriots. I'm bringing them down to minus one. I'm taking the Bills, bringing them down to a point and a half. And I'm taking the Titans and bringing them down to four. You know, the Titans at four, it scares me because I could see them winning by three. But uh, that's not what I got. And I looked, that's why I mentioned before, I looked at that Colts game that my brother had picked because I I was thinking about the Colts at 13 and a half. I was thinking about that Lions in the 16 and change if you bump them up. But again, you got to deal with uh, you got to deal with that quarterback situation. I just don't know what the hell that is yet. So you know, if you're looking up and down the board, Giants at 16 and a half. I mean, that's obviously a, a, a possible play. My only question 
is, you know, the Giants could fall apart, and I hate that fall apart factor. So after putting all of that together, I thought the Titans bringing them down to four points was a safer bet. So that is everything for Week 11. So enjoy yourselves. I will return on Sunday morning to update all of the uh, injuries and updated lines and such and do a quick rundown there. I also am going to be trying to do a pod... I don't know. It's not a podcast. They call it ColorCast. It's the app, but it is basically the Manning cast just for degenerates like myself who just want to hop on the app and it's a startup company and uh, you know basically everybody can do it. So if you want to do it too, just hop on, download the app, create yourself a handle and then you know request to broadcast the game. And so I'm going to try that out tomorrow night, see how that is and uh, sit around for a couple hours and just shoot the breeze watching the game and I, you know, I, I don't know if my slant is going to be trying to do play-by-play. I tried that at college. It didn't really work out that well. Not to mention, I don't know who's really going to be tuning in the app to listen to, uh, you know, a non-play-by-play person do play-by-play. It's kind of boring. But I am going to try to do my own version of the Manning cast, the Eggy cast, and see if I can't get at least one other co-host to join. And we'll see how that goes. Otherwise, I won't be solo. But uh, join tomorrow if you want. Color cast download the app listen to it see how it is and if you want to hop in uh, create yourself a handle they have hot seats so you can join in on the broadcast and make yourself heard uh, or try color cast it yourself startup company way to get in there and do some fun stuff create yourself some tape make yourself a name be famous johnny anyway all right that's it i'm out i'm i'm you know, flapping at the gums here pointlessly. But I will talk to possibly some people tomorrow. Otherwise, I will be back Sunday morning. Enjoy the rest of your weeks. Adios.